Welcome, welcome all to an all-new episode of Bruising and Banter. I'm Redbeard. This handsome devil is Targo. That would be me. Yeah, let's get... Oh, yeah. So, uh, today, in uh, this episode, we are going to cover Match Week 7 in the English Premier League, some midweek games going over the scores and what happened, biggest headlines in world football, and most importantly, our rankings of the top 10 midfielders not named Kevin De Bruyne. Should be fun. Should be fun. Let's get going. All right. Make sure you guys are following us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, our Facebook group, Instagram. Check out our TikTok, our YouTube channel. Make sure that you're subscribing, liking this video, hitting that notification bell. Give us five stars on all your favorite social media platforms and podcast platforms. Uh, there you it go. Helps us, <laughs> it helps us <laughs> really get out there into the algorithm and helps promote our channel. So thank you very much. We love you. And with that, Targo. Let's get beer. into it, man. What are you drinking today? I am drinking Old Faithful, man. Dos, Dos Equis. Dos Equis. Dos. Out of the uh, good old Bruce and Panzer mug. Yeah. If you don't yeah. have one, y'all should get one. They're sexy. Yeah. On they're, our they're damn sexy. Red Bubble, I believe. Yeah. I, I think so. Uh, today, this big old beauty I got next to me. Yeah, big beer there, man. Big beer with a cock right on the front. Uh, <laughs> big old rooster. <laughs> big Barn Brewing Company's Rusty Red Ale. Never Rusty had it. Red. Rusty Never Red had it Ale. Before. Yeah, farm fresh beer. Made another from spoke, egg. Another brewery. <laughs> yeah. Well, how is it? Hmm. For a red, this is really fucking good. Ooh, good yeah. things. There's a lot there. Yeah, so it doesn't taste like a typical red. Um, I mean, it says it's got roasted barley in it, so it tastes a little more roasted. Mm-hmm. The flavor, at least. It's a lot more subtle on, on the red flavor. It's really fucking good. That's good, man. 9 out of 10 would drink again. Oh, 9 out of 10. With 10 being the peanut butter porter from Humble Above. What would you put Dos Equis at then? Old Reliable. It's Old Reliable, so that's like a solid 8. Yeah. I mean, I would rather drink Dos Equis all day, but as a first time trying this. Okay, hold on. Before I rate Dos Equis, is this like (laughs) straight off the tap, or is this out of a bottle? Because that's two different things. Bottle... We'll say bottle with lime. That's an eight. Out of the tap, nine and a half. Okay. (laughs) Nice, big, frosty mug, lime. Yeah, can't beat it. I get an eight and a half. Eight and a half. Good old reliable, solid B. Yeah. It's uh, the best way to go. All right, Targo. News, 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 news. news. All right. Uh, And probably the least important piece of news, which is why it's first. Uh, Glazer's Out Banner (laughs) was flown in Tampa, Florida over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Philadelphia Eagles game. They really want those guys out, and I don't blame them. They do. That was on Monday Night Football NFL, yes. right? Yes, it was. Yeah. Gennaro Gattuso. 
Maybe sometimes a good, maybe sometimes a shit. shit. Well, he's back coaching this time for Olympic Marseille. Surprise hiring. Marseille? Yeah. Italian going to France. Usually, I will say that is my favorite interview, though. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe cheap. He's so he was one of my favorite players playing, too. He's so intense all the time, all the time, all the time. Uh, Jaden Sancho's teammates have been increasingly vocal about wanting him to apologize to the Manchester United coaching staff after a rift has formed between them, and it looks increasingly likely that he will leave in January. But who's gonna want him, man? Is anyone gonna want to touch him? Someone With will take him on loan. Off-field sure. issues? I'm sure someone will take him on. I mean, someone Send took him to Mason. Luton. <laughs> someone took Mason Greenwood. Someone will take Jane Sancho. Okay. Poor Benjamin Mendy's still out there, I think, without a club. Or no, he went to Somewhere France. in France. Yeah. 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 Uh, was it Brest? I think. Something like that. <laughs> we covered Lower, it. <laughs> division. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the president of Colombia's second division side, Tigris FC, was murdered Ooh, by, about fans, this. by fans after the 3-2 home loss to Atletico FC last weekend. Ah, downer, man. Sad news. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's taken a little far, don't you think? Just only a little bit of a lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, taking it not quite as far... Uh, Victor Osman could take legal actions against Napoli after the PR team Hosted a video that seemed to mock him for missing a penalty in their scoreless yeah. draw against Bologna last weekend. I think it was mostly the music behind it. What it seemed it's like? Just why would why would they post that? I don't know. They quickly deleted it, but by then, I mean it's the internet. Once something's out there, it's out there. It's there forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he scored midweek in a four-one victory against Udinese. I mean, what would you do if you were him? I'd be pretty pissed off if I'm being honest. <laughs> like maybe if it was a rival club doing this, like okay, but your your own club, right? One that you kind of turned down advances from other clubs to stay at after winning the league and pretty much being one of the only reasons why being top scorer in Serie A yeah. last season. It's kind of a slap in the face. I do. That's a big old ball slap in the face, man. Yeah. That's a yeah. That's a sack tap right there. <laughs> like South Park in a wheelbarrow sack tap. No. I don't get that reference, but okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Barcelona dramatically drew Mallorca 2-2 midweek after a late goal by Ferran Torres saved them from the first loss of the season. And then uh, after the events of last weekend, Ajax and Feyenoord finally finished their game. In an empty stadium without fans. Uh, Feyenoord won 4-0. Santiago Jimenez got his hat trick in the 59th minute. Yeah, going back to Barcelona, man. They did not look good in that game. No, not at all. Not at all. Took a moment of brilliance from... I don't even remember who. Was it Rafinha? Across it to Ferran Torres? Yeah, Ferran... Or, uh... Fermin Lopez. That was it. So, yeah, at the death. I don't know. Uh, Bar- Barcelona did that a lot last season, winning 1-0. Quite often. Yeah, those, those top two teams aren't looking the best in La Liga, man. Real Madrid, Barcelona. We'll get to Real Madrid here in a second, now that you mentioned oh. that. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, Inter were dealt their first loss of the season after they lost two to one to Sassuolo. Dude, Sassuolo scalping teams. Who they beat last on the weekend? Was it Juve? Yes, I think so. Yeah, they beat Juve four <laughs> two. Juve and Inter team for Juve in uh, like four days. That's I remember that last year because we we were calling that game and you're like, oh, Juve all the way. I'm like, nah, I'm gonna go Sassuolo, man. <laughs> you were right. They got Juve's number. Now they took Inter's. Yeah. Um, and a team that, you know, we both ranked in our top three in our power rankings. So Swallow was nowhere near that. So good for them. To the other side of Milan. Uh, AC Milan are starting the process to build a new 70,000-seat stadium alongside their club headquarters and museum on the outskirts of Milan after efforts to replace the San Siro went nowhere. Yeah, San Siro, I think they're calling it historical. Yeah, kind of building landmark. monument. Yeah, of course. We've seen what's been through that stadium. Uh, their plan is to have this the process cleared by 2025 and have the stadium done by 2028. So I don't expect them to sign many players until then because that's going to cost a billion euros. Okay, one billion dollars. Oh, one billion euros. Uh, let's go over to Real Madrid as their inju- injury woes continued. David Alaba came off the field injured, and Antonio Rudiger appeared to limp off the field after their 2-0 win against Las Palmas. With Eder Militao out already, looks like they're running out of defenders, man. I was going to say, what defenders they got left? I don't know, but they play first place Girona next weekend, and then Napoli on Tuesday. (laughs) First place Girona. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then a Napoli side who seemed to just find out how to score, so... Only good news for Real Madrid fans is uh, Vinny Jr. returned from injury in this. He did, he did. That is good news for them. Bad news for PSG, though, as their left back, Nuno Mendes, uh, will be out four months with a knee injury, and that's if he doesn't need surgery. Oh, another player bites the dust with a knee injury, man. Mm -hmm. It's been the theme this year. Yeah, I think it's uh, all the games with the World Cup in the middle of the season. starting to catch up to everybody. All right, but it's Carabao at the beginning of the season action. after they're they've rested for a good month. They only had like three, was it seventy two days, something like that, for the guys who didn't really go into cups or anything like that in the summer. I don't know. They played a lot of football. Is what I'm trying to say. Who knows? More than normal. To the Carabao Cup, Manchester United advanced, uh, fielding a very young squad looking much improved, beating Crystal Palace 3-0. Elsewhere, Everton knocked out Aston Villa, Ipswich knocked out Wolverhampton Wanderers, and Exeter City knocked out Luton Town. Now to the games that we actually care about. Hey, I'll say, Man United played pretty well in that game. They did, they did, which is why I had to note that it was a very young squad, and they looked better than the squad of their first-team players. Anthony Martial getting on the score sheet. I will say a little weird... uh, Sofian Amrabat starting at left back, but he inverted into that midfield. Yeah, I mean, he did very well. He compliments Casemiro very well in that midfield. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm excited to see him actually start in that midfield. Yeah, it should be interesting. Um, Hannibal, their uh, youngster, yeah. Yeah, he looks very good with his sideshow bob hair. It is. He got that big throw, yeah. Yeah. Um. 
So, on to the games we care about. Newcastle played Manchester City. Kind of a big deal. Manchester City going they for... They can lose a game! Yeah. Manchester City going for the quadruple They can no lose more. a game! They lost a game! It's possible! Yes. They can lose a game! Alexander Isak dealt Manchester City their first blow of the season. Knocked them out of the Carabao Cup. And it is their first loss since May 28th, which was a 1-0 defeat to Brentford. It's a long time Damn. to not lose a game. Yeah. Like, I don't even remember May. I was thinking they they probably already won the title. <laughs> yeah, they did. Because they lost two games in a row. I think it was Brighton and Brentford. I think they drew Brighton. Maybe. I don't know. Too many beers ago. Yeah, that was a lot of beers. But I, I did catch the last like 15 minutes of this game because I, I watched Arsenal in the Carabao Cup and they yep. finished a little early. Yeah, they fielded a young squad too, though. That Man City team. Well, yeah, um, I mean, Pep coming out before the game and saying all of their starters are absolutely exhausted. So I will say, Man City has one of my favorite youngsters. His name is one of my favorites. They're one of their youngsters. Oscar Bob. <laughs> that is a pretty fantastic name. It is fantastic. Oscar Bob started. They also had uh, Sergio Gomez, Rico Lewis. Calvin Phillips started a yeah. game. Yeah, he did. Um, Jack Grealish came back from injury. Yeah, he well. was on there. Uh, neither one played very well, I'll be honest with you. But Manchester City dominated the first half. Newcastle barely got a sniff of the ball. And then the second half, it flipped. Newcastle looked very good, high intensity. And City just seemed to run out of steam. So. Yeah, Pep did bring on Doku and Foden there at the end. I'll say, man, say, Doku is exciting. He's fun he to watch. Is, he is fun to watch. But he looks to beat his man every time he gets the ball. I, I love speak, that. Speaking of the man he tried to beat, I will say for Newcastle, Livermento looked absolutely fantastic in that game, especially since he's been injured for most of the last two years. Just absolutely put Doku in his pocket. I wouldn't say he put him in his pocket. Livermento was cramping at the end, man. Well, yeah, because it's a heavy weight in his pocket. All right. Okay. To the surprise result of the round, we had Chelsea and Brighton. You said Manchester City lost the game. Chelsea won a game. Oh, they my God. Goal. <laughs> Nico Jackson scored. Oh, my God. What? what? Yeah. Uh, he gets, he, by default, he gets Chelsea's goal of the month for September, since it's the only goal they've scored, as they surprise the Seagulls 1-0. So, that is a after, surprise. After that goal, Chelsea looked very, very good, comparatively to what they have. Uh, they were playing with much more tempo, looked like they had a purpose, so maybe that's just the key, is they score a couple goals and they start taking off. We'll see. Well, I mean, you know how that goes. When you get a couple goals, confidence goes up, start playing a little swag, and then things start clicking for you. We'll see if hopefully they can continue the, this. Yeah, for Chelsea, hopefully weekend. this is the turnaround because they play quite a few big teams in October, including Arsenal and Manchester City. And they started a pretty strong squad, just a couple youngsters, I would say, in there. Mm-hmm. I guess if you include Cole Palmer as one, but. Yeah, he got an assist on the goal. It was pretty pretty nice. One touch in between the legs of the defender. Found Nico Jackson, one touch in the back of the net. 
I did right. see Chelsea could be interested in uh, aloning one Mihailo Mudrik out. Yeah, that was interesting to me, especially since um, I also saw that he apparently cost more than the entire, almost the entire Bayern Munich starting lineup, besides um, Harry Kane, at least for what they spent on players. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so the one you watched, as well as myself, uh, Brentford <laughs> and Arsenal. Uh, I will say, Arsenal's goal, absolute gift. As uh, I forget who it was, was Aaron Hickey passed it back to Reese Nelson, or not Reese Nelson? Yeah. Eddie Nketiah, who played it to Reese Nelson. Yep. But they needed an Aaron Ramsdale masterclass to hold off a second half barrage of shots from Brentford to advance to the next round in the Carabao Cup. I was so happy to see Emil Smith Rowe on the field. Oh man, Dude, me that's too. The only thing I care about <laughs> that man. And honestly, needs to run a games. Even El Nani to see him on the field. Yeah. Cedric also made it onto the field. I don't care, but he made it onto the field. <laughs> I will say their defense, man, Arsenal is suspect. I will say Gabriel and uh, Jakob Kivior looked very good. Tomiyasu wasn't convincing. Gabriel did have his moments, as he does in every game. Kivior had one of the best blocks on the line I think I've ever mm-hmm. seen, just about. Yeah, that was fantastic. Uh, ben White had an okay game. Eh, I wouldn't say Kendrick. say it wasn't best. Yeah, yeah, okay. But the big ties for round four, as we had the draw. What was it like an hour after the last game finished? Uh, these will be played the week of October thirtieth. Got rematch of last year's final: Manchester United against Newcastle at Old Trafford. Exciting. Yes, which is probably... Poor Newcastle, I, though. You face Man City, now you got to face Man United. I mean, if I'm them, I'm like, hey, we're knocking them out early because if you face them in a final, they're going to field a much stronger squad. I guess that's true. That's one way to look at it. Bournemouth and Liverpool. I feel bad for Bournemouth. That's about all I got. Chelsea <laughs> against Blackburn. Two former has-been Premier League great teams. Um, <laughs> oh, harsh. <laughs> Next up, we got Everton and Burnley, who, if I'm not mistaken, also play this weekend. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, Everton plays Luton. Burnley Luton. plays Newcastle. Okay. Same difference for Luton and Burnley as far as points go. Uh, and then Declan Rice making his return to the London Stadium as Arsenal plays West Ham. They, it's been dubbed the Declan Rice Derby already, which, no, it's the London Derby. Thank you very much. Declan Rice isn't that important. He's good, but oh. he's not that important. Anyways, match week seven in the Premier League, my friend. Let's get to that, yeah. Let's get to that, because I'm very excited. There are some good games. We're going to kick it off. With uh, one of the ones I might be the most excited about, Aston Villa oh. against Brighton at Villa Park. Uh, how is that not in our Fab Five? Because uh, there's a lot of good ones. Damn, week. that's a good one. Villa and Brighton? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My question to you is, how will the villains fare against the high-flying Brighton side that uh, seems to steamroll everyone they face when their first-team squad is on the field? I, oh, man, I, I suspect Brighton to take it to Villa. Yeah which is why 
for me, the matchup to watch is Brighton's wingers against Villa's outside backs because we know for Villa, outside backs like to get forward quite a bit. And what Luca Dina, Maddie Cash, depending on where he's playing, and then yeah, Brighton could expose those spaces. Yeah, especially with how their wingers get upfield so quickly. So, um, and the other one. How will Villa fare against that Brighton press? Because it is quick and it's unrelenting. So you, it depends how Villa plays. If Villa plays like how West Ham played when they when Brighton played West Ham, looking to get on the counterattack, because I think that's where Brighton has trouble. If you sit in a low block and they have to break you down, mm-hmm. they can struggle. And you can catch them on the counterattack. But if you try to go toe-to-toe with Brighton, I think they will outpass and get around Villa if they try to press. Yeah. I mean, especially because Brighton likes to push so many players forward. It's how long can Villa withstand the pressure and also can they take their chances? Because I know Ollie Watkins has not been of late. I know he scored a goal on the weekend against Chelsea, but for the most part, he's been very disappointing this season. He hasn't been the most efficient with his chances, yeah. And so he, he'll he need to be in this game. Yeah, I, I definitely 100% agree. And uh, yeah, it should be very exciting either way. Who you got winning this one? I'm going Brighton. Me too. I don't even know why I asked. <laughs> For some reason, I don't see Villa sitting in the low block. I think it'll be similar to maybe that Villa-Newcastle game. Yeah, I, I definitely could be. But I, I also think it'll think... be a very exciting back and forth game with most of it being in Villa's half. But we'll see. I mean, Ole Watkins only needed one chance on the weekend to score against Chelsea. Maybe it's the same here. They get up we'll on a, get up on Brighton a couple goals and they start pushing everybody forward. And that's when they're really vulnerable. All right, next up, Bournemouth against Arsenal. Can Arsenal bounce back from their disappointing performance in the North London Derby, or even more importantly, can they cover for all of the injuries that they have? Who they got hurt? They got Timber? Uh, Timber, Bukayo Saka's supposedly, like, very doubtful. Leandro Trossard is doubtful. Declan Rice is out. Thomas Partey is out. Gabriel Martinelli is out. So I think I... Yeah, so Trossard will be a miss. So I'm guessing we'll see Reese Nelson. Maybe Havertz will obviously be starting then. I'll be I'll be curious to see what the lineup is. He might go yeah. in Ketia, Jesus, Nelson, and then Havertz. I, I would, yeah, I would assume that maybe a Emil Smith Rowe on the right because he kind of likes to get into those pockets. And the like, Carabao Cup, he played him in midfield though. Yeah, but at this point, I don't I don't care. Just get him on the field. He I, likes I to get feel in those similar. Pockets. I'd he rather see Emil Smith Rowe out there than Kai Havertz at the moment. Yeah, especially the way Ben White likes to overlap on the outside. He's get his Millsmith throw to take the ball infield. He can play it back out. He can hit it to Odegaard and hit it forward to Nketiah. He can score. It just seems like the best position to put him in. But I also like to see Jesus in the middle. I would too. Nketiah is very disappointing on the wing as well, though. So maybe sit Nketiah, put Gabriel Jesus up front, Reese Nelson on the left, and Emil on the right. We'll see what he does. We'll see what he does. Because, honestly, what do we really know about what he's going to do in Mikel Arteta? Because he always surprises us. 
Okay, a couple of questions then. Aaron Ramsdale, does he start this game? Probably not. Why not? Just from the starts that have happened the past three games or so. David Raya got the start in the Champions League. He got the start in the North London Derby. Yeah, but you're facing a Bournemouth side that is struggling, to say the least. And they haven't won a game all season. They got three draws, three losses. Uh, I guess they won the game in the Carabao Cup. That's about it. I think maybe Um, because it's away from home, I would go with Raya. I would go with Ramsdale because it is his former squad. He did used to play for Bournemouth at one point in time. Many moons ago, yeah. Yeah. It's like, what does that have to do with anything? Well, the reason why he played against Brentford is because he's on loan, so he can't play against his parent club in David Ryan. I'm just saying. We'll see. You want to bet a beer on it? Sure. Yeah. I'll (laughs) bet a beer on it. Okay. That's always the best kind of bet. You lose your drinking, you win your drinking. So. Okay. Matchup to watch, Targo. Kai Havertz versus the goal. Can he hit it? <laughs> Can he hit it? Probably. Will it go in? No. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm hoping so because Arsenal <laughs> could desperately use him getting some All Gooners form, are hoping like so. Yeah. Yeah, he's. Almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, my friend. Who you got winning this game? Oh, wait, don't even answer that because it's Arsenal. Okay. Come on, you Gooners. Come on, you Gooners. All right, Everton against Luton, the cellar dwellers. Cellar dwellers. Yeah. Can Everton continue to score goals, like, or were their last two games a fluke? I think they can continue to score goals. I mean. Calvert-Lewin's got a two-game scoring streak streak on Against a team like Luton, I think they can continue to score goals. (laughs) (laughs) Other teams, eh, maybe not so much. Yeah, and I mean, it's at Goodison Park, so I would expect them to play a little bit more on the front foot, especially against Luton, which leads me to do Luton's struggles continue because they did lose to Exeter City midweek, so. Yeah, they did. They did, man. Luton, uh... I'm feeling sorry for him already. Yeah, me too. Um, I feel bad for your prediction of them staying safe. Well, so far, they're not too far off. They're 18 off. Yeah, goal differential. Yeah, fair. <laughs> uh, matchup to watch. What do you got? Uh, it's probably. I'm curious to see how Everton's midfield does. So I'm, that's what I want to be looking at is their midfield versus Luton's. Curious if Onana gets another start. Um, we'll see if Sambi Lakanga is in there for Luton. So, yeah, that's what I'm curious about. Yeah, I, I am too, uh, especially in Kamba in there playing as that holding midfielder against Decore because he's been on fire. Seems like so, nobody. Yeah, I got something to him. say about Decore, man. Like, he's scored some incredible goals, and he has these incredible runs, and he looks like a great player. But I'm not going to lie, there's times he looks like an absolute shit player, man. (laughs) Can't make a simple pass, gets caught on the ball, has a terrible touch. It's like, how does he... I I don't know what to think of him. I really don't. Like, there's times I'm like, oh, yeah, I would take Decore on on my team. And there's times like, who is this guy? (laughs) Two-Face. 
really good half of the time, really awful half of the time. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes Sometimes maybe shit. shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel about Takore. Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) But he did save them, so I guess mostly good. Yeah, I mean, his last couple, well, his last two games have been good. I'll give him that. Who you got winning this one, Targo? I'm going Everton. Yeah, me too. I think Luton are just that bad, and Everton are finally starting to find some form. I just feel bad for Luton at this point. Luton can't score goals, man. No. Uh, All right. On to Manchester United versus Crystal Palace. As United play their bugaboo team in recent seasons, Palace taking two points off of them last season, and they continue to be a thorn in the Red Devil side. Or is it just going to be a repeat of what happened in the Carabao Cup? Probably a repeat of what just happened in the Carabao Cup. Yeah. I mean, is Michael Elise going to be back for this one? I don't know. (laughs) I haven't looked at that injury report. I haven't either. But what I do know is this Manchester United defense is awful. And a breach of causes awful defenses a lot of trouble. Which is my matchup to watch. Surprise. Eze against Abriche Eze against that defense, huh? Yeah. Well, he I think can we'll cause see... him some problems if he gets on the ball quite a bit and they give him a little bit of space. So that's the question. Do they allow? Yeah, him I, I will say I might tip Rasmus Hoyland to get a goal in this one, man. He's looked Pretty like good. a player. He's, yeah. He looks hungry, I will say, to prove a point. Which is fun he's to watch. He's big, he's fast. He's big, he's strong, he's, he is fast, yep. Yeah, I, I'll be interested to see who Ten Hag starts on the right side. Whether it's Palestri or Garnacho. I don't know. I would or probably Hannibal. go with Palestri. I would too. Um, he looks a lot better starting, especially, and bring Garnacho off the bench. You see how good he is off the bench. Palestri, man, he's he looks like such a player. At such a young age, so I would give him the start personally. But Ten Hag's been not starting Palestri for some odd reason on the right. So I don't. Well, know. I mean, he did in against Bayern Munich in the Champions League. Yeah, but in the Premier League, I don't know. Garnacho seems to be his pick. Anyway, speaking of picks, who you got in this one? United. Yeah, me too. Unfortunately. I would Keep love to picking see all Palace. the same teams, man. I would love to see Palace. Well, you just changed that one. You had it as a draw. <laughs> I did. Then I saw the Carabao Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see Palace jump over United in the Premier League standing, but I don't think it's going to happen at Old Trafford. Maybe if this was at Selhurst Park, but not at Old Trafford. That's, yeah, my feelings too. Next up, Newcastle and Burnley. Do Newcastle score another eight goals? I mean, they scored eight goals against Sheffield United. They beat City midweek. They're on fire right now, and Burnley is not. Burnley needs to figure out how to play two ways, because right now they can only play one way where they're trying to go toe-to-toe with these teams, and it's not working. Yeah, it's going one way and one way only, especially on the Newcastle side. If they do that against Newcastle, man, they're going to get punished. (laughs) Well, I know you're going to pick Newcastle for this one. Uh, What do you got for a scoreline? How about that? (laughs) I'll go. 
I'm going to go 4 1. Get out of my head. I was literally. Is that what you were going to say? I was literally just thinking that. Um, fine. I'll go 4 0 just to be different. <laughs> I'm different. Yeah, I'm, I'm different. different. All right. Next up, we got West Ham against Sheffield United. Honestly, it really just begs one question, and it's how many goals were the Hammers score on this used and abused Sheffield United side? Probably only they two. They do not look very good at they all. They don't look good, but this isn't this isn't Newcastle here, and West yeah, Ham play but, a different I mean, style how many of football. Games does it, how many games does it take a team that gets beat 8-0 to really come back to form? I've seen it happen the next game. You might remember... Yeah. A couple seasons ago, Leicester, when they thumped, was it Southampton? Nine? Southampton won their next game. Yeah. We've also seen it go the other way. So, where teams just get pummeled into the ground, and two or three games later, the, the, the results get, you know, gradually a little bit better, but they lose three, four games on the bounce. And then they start playing better. So, I don't know... How Sheffield United could bounce back from eight nil, where they they've already couldn't do anything right. They've already lost a couple games on the bounce, so yeah. But I think they're going to lose this one too. I do too. I don't see any way that Sheffield United beats West Ham in this one. Get a and then maybe they do. a brace for one Jared Bowen in this game. All right. Speaking of teams that suck and look like they're going nowhere, we got Wolves against Manchester City. Oh, have fun with that one, Wolves. Yeah. Uh, can anyone stop this city side in the Premier League, or are they almost destined for a four-peat? They're looking destined for a four They're not getting the quadruple, though. No, nope, nice you, Newcastle. Thank you. No quadruple this year, but a four-peat in the Premier League? Yeah, they're looking like they can do that. Yeah, I'm going to say they can only, at this point, beat themselves. And right now, injuries are looking like that is what's going to happen. And Rodri being suspended as well. We'll see. I do not think we'll stand any chance regardless. Because I don't think Wolves can beat this City defense. Their defense is so good. Yeah. I was thinking of the game where Wolves played against Liverpool where they they played the first half much better than Liverpool. Got their one goal. But I was I was thinking during that game, man, Wolves you should have capitalize a couple more times made it two maybe three nil because yeah. then liverpool came back and scored yeah i think it was three goals i can't two goals something like that probably three i don't know yeah and then matthias nunes making will he make his first appearance against his old club i mean Ooh, i watched him could. last weekend and they put him in the midfield role and man did he look good he did not disappoint you're not wrong Who you got? One way and one way only. <laughs> Sit down. Sit down. <laughs> All right. Next up, Nottingham Forest and Brentford. I'll be honest. I'm low-key excited about this one to see how it pans out. This could either be really You're exciting. You're a Forest fan. I think secretly at really heart, aren't you? Boring. I just like watching them because they are a perennial underdog, and they seem to surprise some people. Mostly, I just like watching Awani. I just like pronouncing his name. Reminds us of that Peter Odemwingy. Odemwingy. 
Uh, Forest takes on a Brentford side who are having a little bit of a dip in form at the moment. They did impress bit. against Arsenal. Who's going to come out on top? I got this one as a draw. All right. I, just to be different in this one, I want to pick a draw, but I'm not going to. I'm going to go with Forest. Yeah, I'm going to go with Forest. Yeah, uh, you're a secret Forest fan. Whatever. Sure. Fine. They're red and white. Whatever. <laughs> Next up, we got Fulham and Chelsea. Ful- Chelsea couldn't lose again, could they? In the Premier League? Yeah. Maybe, but I'm going to guess according <laughs> to you, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm secretly a fan of Chelsea absolutely sucking. Yes. <laughs> well, you're I'll a secret Forest fan. You're an open Chelsea hater. <laughs> yes, 100. Uh, percent I just I hate how they spend so much money. And I mean, for the Roman Abramovich years, they were so good, but they just kept spending money. And now they spend a billion pounds, and they suck. And it's great. I will enjoy it as long as it lasts. Who you got in this one? Chelsea Fulham. I'm going for a draw. Okay. Chelsea can't score. They yeah. cut one goal yeah. this month. <laughs> yeah, this month. Well, Sunday is a new month, my friend. It is. New month, same old Chelsea. Full for the win, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to our Fab Five. You were wondering why Astonville and Brighton were not in this. Well, we're going to start it with Barcelona and Sevilla. Yes. So that's well, Friday, this game. Yes, it is. It is on Friday. And the real question is, which Sevilla side will show up for this one? They've had a decently poor start to the season. They won their last game 4-1, to one, I believe. Barcelona are still perfect. Almost lost. It did not look very well against Mallorca. Who you got? No. Yeah. So yeah, Sevilla have struggled, man. They got their their two wins. How do you not say Barca? Even though Barca aren't playing the best, Sevilla's playing worse. Yeah. But, I mean, you never know which Sevilla side is going to show up. They can surprise Barcelona, and Barcelona's midfield is all banged up. So I'm, I'm very yeah, interested Frankie to see how looks that, like he's out for a bit. I'm interested to see how that battle pans out. But as far as picking against Barcelona, I am not. I'm going to go with Barcelona in this one. I'm a big fan of that Barca youngster, man. Lamina Mao. Yes, I am too. He is very exciting, and I still can't believe he's only 16. Crazy. That is insane. Next up, Benfica and Porto. Oh. Yes. Big clash in Portugal. Yes, there is. Who so is going to win? also Friday. Yes, it is. Who's going to win this Titanic battle of bitter bitter rivals. Porto. Okay. Matchup for me to watch. Antonio Silva against is it Taremi? Taremi, yeah. Yeah, Taremi, Taremi, forward. Um, I'm also gonna go with Porto because Benfica have not been convincing this season. They have not. Next up, the rematch of the German Supercopa. I almost said DFP Pokal, but it's not. RB Leipzig against Bayern Munich 
at Red Bull Arena. Right? Is that what their stadium is called? Yes. Okay. I always get that mixed up with the New York Red Bulls Arena, which I believe is also called Red Bull Arena. So. All right, Harry Kane coming off a hat trick last time out as Byron thumped Bochum 7-0. This one I feel like is going to be much better than the thumping RB Leipzig gave to Bayern Munich last time out. I hope not, man. That was a fantastic game. Well, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see Javi Simons and Benjamin Sesko against Kim Min Jae and Alfonso Davies. Forget Mr. That. Danny Almo in there who had a fantastic game against Bayern last yeah. time out. Yeah. But Javi Simons has been lighting up the Bundesliga so far. He so has. Benjamin Sesko. Kim and Jays look good, and so has Alfonso Davies, as that's what we've come to expect from him. But I don't know. I feel like there's something different about this Bayern team. Yeah, me too. Watching them in the Champions League, you know, they obviously outplayed Man United completely. But it was still close on the score sheet. Yeah, they did let in three goals. So And so that's that's what worries me is they're they're leaking goals. And so I'm going for a draw on this one. Okay. Um I think Harry Kane looks very good in red and white, so I'm going with Bayern Munich. <laughs> Where he started out as a youngster. Yes he is. Uh not in Bayern, but Arsenal, for those of you who don't know. Next up, the game of the weekend in the Premier League, Tottenham and Liverpool. Can Koglu do it again in another big game by avoiding defeat against a Liverpool squad that literally can't stop scoring? I was was about to say, so over (laughs) under five goals in this game. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go, can I take evens? I think five is probably a good number. Five? Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I'm very interested to see Dominic Sabotsloy against Yves Basuma because Yves Basuma is leading the world, essentially, in tackle percentage and duels right now. So, And, man, doesn't Sabotsloy look good? Oh, God. He, he looks, looks good like at Stephen Liverpool, Gerard man. reincarnated. I mean, did you see his goal in the Carabao Cup? I did not. Lays a beam to the top corner. Laser beam. Okay, Laser I'll have to beam. check that out. Please do. Who you got winning this one over under five goals? <laughs> I said five, honestly, because I think <laughs> that sounded good too, but. Out of my head. I'm going Liverpool, man. Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go over five. I'm going to go three, three draw. Oh, a draw, huh? Yep. And uh, in that case, makes it super exciting to watch because that means it's going to be like a basketball game. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. All right, and last but not least, AC Milan and Lazio. Lazio have started the they've started the season interesting. Lazio, and almost like it's almost like Maurizio Sarri. It's Maurizio, right? Sorry, I know it's last name, but first name. You got it right. They've started the season kind of weird. They're sitting in eleventh in Serie A, and it looks like he's kind of been tinkering. With his lineups and his squad a little bit. But they seem to show up against the big teams. I mean, they beat Napoli. They tied Atletico Madrid. They looked good against Atletico, yeah. Yeah. So. And Milan. They they just just won won here midweek. Yeah. Pulisic looked very good. But they did not look good against Inter. No. They looked very bad. 
They looked I'm gonna good go... against Newcastle, but couldn't put the ball in the net. So No. I'm going to go with Milan. Okay. I'm going to go draw, just to be different. Milan. I'm going Milan. Milan. Not Milan. I'm going to draw. Milan. 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 Anyways. To the, to the topic that everybody has been waiting for. Who are the best midfielders in the world not named Kevin De Bruyne? Targo, you made me wait and see. So you go first, my friend. Yes. Okay, so yeah, we did the best midfielders not named Kevin De Bruyne because he is obviously the best midfielder in the world. We both agreed on that. Hands down. But where we might not agree on is the next 10. And I gotta say, man, this was hard. I assume our number ones are the same. I don't know who your number one is, so we'll see. But I'll start at my number 10. My number 10 is Federico Valverde. Ooh, solid choice. Real Madrid midfielder, man. You know, I'm a big fan of him. My number nine, Casemiro. One of the best DMs in the game. Has been in recent seasons, but I would argue in the last half of a season and then this season, been nowhere near that. Scoring two goals against Bayern Munich, no big deal in your eyes then, huh? Yeah, he did score on the weekend. but <laughs> Scoring as laying mid- down? <laughs> as Scored a defensive the winning goal in the Carabao Cup final? From what we've expected from him, he has not been playing to his standards, is what I'm arguing. Still one of the best for me. Yeah. Number nine. Okay. Number eight, Arsenal new boy, Declan Rice. Nice. Nice. I think he is than I was. What's that? (laughs) You're much nicer to him than I was. Maybe a little bias showing, but I think, man, he just has upped that Arsenal midfield in that position so much. The guy is so athletic. He got them that winning goal against Manchester United a couple weeks ago. Plays for the England national team. The guy is a Rolls Royce. What can I say? He is one of the most under the radar best players. I've ever seen. Like he just goes about, does his job, super effective at it, kind of like Rodri. Not as good, but kind of like him. Which is exciting to see as an Arsenal fan, because we've wanted someone like Rodri for, well, since Patrick Vieira. So. I was about to say since Patrick Vieira. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Gilberto Silva. Eh, maybe. But Okay, anyway. and my number seven, Joshua Kimmich. I think he's a little bit above Rice and Casemiro for his passing ability. This guy can put a ball over the top on a dime like you can't believe. Yes. And so he is my, what number is that, seven? Yeah, I think so. My number seven. I'm not keeping track of your account. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) My number six is Bernardo Silva. Hmm. I knew I was going to forget somebody. Did you? Did you forget him? Uh-huh. He, he's so, so many good. good midfielders, man. There's it's so... hard to pick 10. But yeah, Bernardo Silva, man, he is my number five, uh, six. He's so good. I, I love the way he plays. He can play anywhere. He just, again, similar to Declan Rice, just goes about his business in that midfield. My number five, you might not like this one. 
Bruno Fernandez. <sighs> no, I don't like it. But I understand why. So I'll, I'll tell you why he's number five. The guy's technical ability is amazing. His vision, his passing range, amazing. You saw the goal he scored here at the weekend against Burnley last weekend. Fantastic. Fantastic goal, man. Most players would shank that left, right, high, miss the ball completely. Not Bruno Fernandez. He buries it. Yeah, absolutely perfect. Now, does his personality suck? Yeah, I, I don't like that. No. But his footballing ability, you can't argue that. It's fantastic. He's my number five. My number four, Martin Odegaard. Can't argue last with season, that one. Last season, this season, the guy is stellar, man. He's finding the back of the net. He's what makes that Arsenal midfield tick. If he's not playing well, it's almost like they don't play well. Yeah. My number three, Ilkay Gundogan. So I will say the beginning his his beginning of his career at Barcelona is not looking the best so far. I mean, it's it's a new system, new team. He was playing with Manchester City for years, so I mean, you can't you kind of got to give him a grace period. I'm gonna give him a little bit of leeway just because of how fantastic he was last season for Manchester City. But we know the guy's amazing. Scored some wonderful goals. So yeah, he is my number three. My number two, Rodri. Ooh. Oh. I have Rodri at number two. Oh. Which means, yeah, my number one is Jude Bellingham. Did not I think it's that one. Holy cow. I switched, I switched it up. I went with Jude Bellingham as my number one. Just the start he's had to Real Madrid. Who expected that, man? Flying scoring goals there. Apparently only Pretty much Bellingham. <laughs> yeah. And Rodri's my number two. He's the best in that position. He is, I guess for me, the, we'll say second best midfielder, not called Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, he he's even, it seems like Rodri's even gotten better this year. I know. It's scary. Until he loses his school for the first time ever. <laughs> I know, right? But yeah, that's my that's my top ten midfielders right. well, in the world. Some, uh, some quality, interesting picks because mine are different, very different, which is exciting. I, I don't know how you forgot Bernardo Silva, man. I well, I think do you want to my do you, I think do you my brain put him? classifies him more as a winger. Do you want to put him in your midfield? No, no, no. I'm still going to classify him more as a winger because he's he, an everywhere player, man. Yeah. He's not a strict midfielder. He plays everywhere for Pep Guardiola. Left back, right wing, left wing, uh, false nine, number 10, number six, number eight. So maybe that's why I forgot him, but I will admit that I definitely did forget him. But I'm going to keep mine the exact same. Not because because Bernardo Silva doesn't deserve to be in this list, because he does, but because he doesn't exactly play midfield constantly for Manchester City. I disagree with that. I think he's in that midfield all the time, so. (sighs) Okay. Number 10. Arsenal boy. New guy. Declan Rice. He's always been on the edge of being world class. 
He always has. But his recent move to Arsenal seems to take his game to a new level. He often gets overlooked by players that score more goals, provide more assists, but his ability to break up break up play, spur on the squad with his leadership ability, as he did for West Ham last season, getting them to their first European trophy in over, what was it, 40 years, something like that? Something and like his that, ability yeah. to dictate play at a 24 years of age is amazing. So I think he, in my opinion, is probably the third best holding midfielder in the world. Close, yeah. yeah. Somewhere around there. Number nine, someone you didn't have on your list at all. Liverpool new boy, Alexis McAllister. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. 2002 World Cup winner. Not only key in leading Argentina. 2002? <laughs> 2003. My bad. No, 2002. 20, 20, 22? 22. That's what I have there. written on here. My brain doesn't quite work, apparently. Blame it on the alcohol. Um, <laughs> Can't remember that song, apparently, either, huh? <laughs> I didn't want to drag it out, all right? Uh, anyways... He was instrumental in the leading alcohol, yeah, leading Brighton to their first ever European qualification. He's only 24, but his career seems to be taking off. And since he's gotten to Liverpool, he's only gotten better. So I will disagree with you there. I do not think he has gotten better since being at Liverpool. I think he's been playing in the wrong position. And I would argue that Dominic Sabotoloy looks better than Alexis McAllister right now. Okay. I'm not going to disagree with that statement. But I think he is getting better. He's looked better in the last couple of matches than previously. But you are right. He's not playing in the right position. Number eight. I'm surprised he wasn't on your list because he's one of your favorites. Nicolo Barella. Yeah, I debated about him for a minute on mine. I I was very surprised when he wasn't on yours, but I wasn't going to say anything because, well, I forgot Bernardo Silva, and you're not going to let me forget it anytime soon. Nope, nope. <laughs> Enters number 10, led them to their first Champions League final in 13 years. He's one of the best number 10s in the world. He's linked to almost every club. It seems to only get better with age, and I'll be honest with you, his ability to spray balls all over the pitch reminds me a lot of Andrea Pirlo. He's a tenacious little guy too, man. Oh, yes, he is. He's not afraid to get into a tackle. And I love it. Number 7, Ilkay Gundogan. He's on everybody's top 10. It's just where. I mean, he won City multiple titles single-handedly. Got his dream transfer to Barcelona. His leadership is second to none. He's clutch. Fantastic player. Number six. I believe he was your number six or seven. Might be the same. Joshua Kimmich. Yeah, he was my number seven. Yeah. Um, He's... I wanted to say German army knife, but he's like a Swiss army knife. He plays everywhere. I mean, he started at right back, yep. went to center back, went to more of a number eight. Now he plays in the holding midfield role for Bar- uh, Bayern Munich. And I mean, even for a struggling Germany squad, he's like the one bright light. He's always good. He's always consistent. And man, is he tenacious. I love watching him. Speaking of another German midfielder who I left off was Jamal Musiala. I had a hard time with him. I left him off too because for me, again, I can't tell if he's a winger, a false nine, 
I've tried to pick people that strictly play midfield. So, number five that you left off your list, Luka Modric. I did. Yep. Did not forget about him. Uh, you did leave him off your list, and that's the only point I'm going to make, because I bet you didn't forget about any of these players. I'm just a forgetful one, <laughs> which is usually the case. Uh, I mean, the guy led Cro- a Croatia team that one would argue is average to a World Cup final and semifinal. The final, yes. That semifinal, eh, maybe not. They were better, but wouldn't be considered a favorite for the World Cup. No. He's 38 years old, for Christ's sake. guy's old, man. Yeah, and he's arguably one of the best midfielders at a Real Madrid side that is littered with world-class midfielders. Except for, I'm guessing, your number two. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Number four, Pedri. I know he's been injured a lot. I could not leave him off my list. I, I mean, did because of that. The guy, since the age of 16, making his debut for Spain, has been the best player on the Spanish national team. And probably one of the best, when he's healthy, the best player on Barcelona. I mean... Right now, I would almost give it to Gavi over Pedri. Mostly because Pedri has not been playing a lot. He has not been playing a lot, no. But, man, is he... One of the smartest footballers I've seen for such a young player, his creativity, his stamina, and his work rate especially, which I assume is why he's injured so much, because he's flying all over the place. I think if he can stay healthy, he has the potential to definitely be one of the top three in the world. Yeah, I I agree with that. Number four. Sorry, that was Pedri. Number three, Martin Odegaard. You got him at three, huh? I have him at three because, in my opinion, he's the best attacking midfielder in the world besides Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, I'll be honest with you. 30 million pounds from Real Madrid is a goddamn steal for Martin Odegaard. It's they looking like it. Picking themselves that they got rid of him because he's only gotten better every, it seems like every single game. Besides Kevin De Bruyne, I have not seen anyone so cool and calm on the ball. He seems to just, like, it's stuck on his foot with a string. He's very very technical. Yes. And he always looks dangerous whenever he gets the ball. Not only that, but he's transformed his game with, what, he's at, like, 20 goals in the last year or so? He had 15 last season, and I think he's got four or five already this season. I know he's popped up with a, a couple so far this season, yeah. So. And from distance, too, man. Number two, number two, Jude Bellingham. Very close between him and Rodri for me. But because Rodri's been so consistent over the last couple of years, that's why he's my number one. But I got to give it to Jude Bellingham. I did not think he would take his game to that much better of a level since joining Real Madrid. And he looks like he's the, easily the best player on their squad. Him and Vinny, huh? Yeah. I mean, he's got six goals and an assist this season, but he's got four match winners in the 90th minute. Knows where to be in that box. Right? Number one, Rodri. I mean, he's the ever-present force, and Kevin De Bruyne's been hurt a bunch the last couple years. Rodri played 68 games last season. Let that sink in. And it doesn't look like it, does it? No. The best defensive midfielder in the world. 
not only does he break up play, but his distribution after winning it is the best I've ever seen. How about his finishing too recently? I was just going to get to that because his positioning and uh, his invaluable goals are the reason why City are where they are today. I mean, you couldn't have picked a better replacement for Fernandinho in that Manchester City spot. No. I mean, I think they went from Yaya Toure to Fernandinho to Rodri. Is that fair? No. No, it's not. Especially since Yaya Toure was like a combination of Rodri and Kevin De Bruyne. He was, yeah. He was something special. But those are our top 10 best midfielders in the world, not named Kevin De Bruyne. Let us know in the comments who you think top 10 best midfielders are. Are we crazy? Is our list completely wrong? Either way, are we, we want to hear from you guys. leaving off Jamal Musiala? Yeah. I would probably say 100%. Yes, I would agree. Let us know in the comments. That brings us to the end of this episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Don't forget to check us out on all of our socials. Like we said, the TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Get in on the conversation. And, of course, don't forget our Redbubble. Get the sweet merch. You can get the mugs. But on that note, thank you so much for listening, watching. We love you guys, as always. Cheers. Cheers.